0: we have seen two responses to the affliction crisis that have emerged from the American hierarchy of the Catholic Church, one this week and one earlier in the month, and I'm going to contrast those two for you. On the one hand, we have news of the first diocese in the U.S. to reopen and begin offering public masses. But on the other, we have the kind of leadership we as Catholics have long suffered under in the United States, giving us more of the same, but this time with extra doses of mercy and accompaniment. Joy of Joys. One story I have for you is a sign of hope, and the other is a sign of basically more of the same that is so absurd that it's almost kind of funny. So let's get into this because, frankly, it's times like these that we get an idea of who the good or better members of the hierarchy are, and who the ones that desperately need our prayers for their conversion of heart are. First, we have the Bishop of Las Cruces. Cruces? I don't know. I, I, I barely speak English. What can I say? But the bishop there has announced his plan to reopen the Mass to the public in the coming days. He details this in a letter released to his priests. I have it for you in full. Most other places are just quoting it, but here it is. Hear it for yourself. Again, this is the letter of Bishop Baldacino to the priests of his diocese. Dear Fathers, We have been called by Christ and ordained to serve the people of the Diocese of Las Cruces, to bring them hope and consolation during this difficult time. At the outset of the crisis, I ordered the priests of the diocese to suspend all public masses as we assessed the situation and established a safe way to continue to bring Christ to the people, both through the word of God and the sacraments. These past few weeks have allowed me to further analyze the situation and discern a safe way to proceed. It has become increasingly clear that the state shutdown will last for some time. Depriving the faithful of the nourishment offered through the Eucharist was indeed a difficult decision, one that I deemed necessary until I had further clarity regarding our current state of affairs, but it cannot become the status quo for the foreseeable future. The state of New Mexico has updated the public health order and no longer considers the Catholic Church an essential service. I strongly disagree. While it is true that we need to take every reasonable precaution to reduce the spread of the affliction, it is equally true that we offer the greatest essential service to our people. The past few weeks have brought to light many unintended consequences of the stay-at-home order. Last Friday, CNN ran an article stating that the Disaster Distress Helpline, a federal crisis hotline run by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, has seen an 891% increase of calls. The New York Times recently ran an article titled, A New Affliction Crisis, Domestic Abuse Rises Worldwide. Suicide prevention hotlines are reporting an enormous increase in calls. According to various news outlets, there has been an increase in divorces, drug use, and alcohol abuse. Simply put, in the midst of financial uncertainty, fear for one's health, pandemic-induced anxiety, and confinement to their homes, people need a word of hope. We as priests are called to bring the word of life to people. We are called to minister the life-giving sacraments. Televised masses have been an attempt to bridge the gap during this time, but this is not enough. The Evangelion, the Gospel, the Good News of Christ, risen from the dead, must be proclaimed. The eternal life offered in Christ Jesus needs to be announced. It was precisely the urgency of this announcement that drove the first apostles and the need is no less today. Christ is alive and we are his ambassadors. Therefore, aware that we bring the essential good to the world around us, we need to do so in the safest way possible. We are all aware of the tragedy caused by the affliction. I myself have lost two close friends of mine, priests I studied and served with. I am fully conscious of the death and sadness these days seem to bring, and yet there is more. The affliction can also be a help to us. How long have we settled down in our usual way of doing things? For how long have we grown comfortable with our routines? For how long have we taken the grace of the sacraments for granted, or the beauty of the assembly at Mass? This is a time for renewal, a time for change, a time to break out of our schemas and our usual way of ministering to the faithful. In the events of these days and weeks, the Lord is calling us out of our comfort zone. He is calling us to seek new ways to reach the people. In addition to this mission, with which we are entrusted, we also have the mission to keep people safe. The two must be equally pursued. The recent amendment pu- amended public health order issued by the Governor of New Mexico states... Mass gatherings means any public or private gathering that brings together five or more individuals in a single room or connected space, confined outdoor space, or an open outdoor space where individuals are within six feet of each other, but does not include the presence of five or more individuals where those individuals regularly reside. Mass gathering does not include individuals who are public officials or public employees in the course and scope of their employment. Sadly, the governor is no longer exempting places of worship from the restrictions on mass gatherings. It seems to me that while we run a daily count of the physical deaths, we are overlooking those who are dead interiorly. Under the governor's new restrictions, places of worship are allowed to have less than five individuals present in a single room. Places of worship are also allowed to have services with more than five people present in an outdoor space where individuals are not within 6 feet of each other as this is deemed a safe distance therefore with this letter i am revoking the suspension of public masses which i have directed on march 16th these are allowed to ce- priests are allowed to celebrate mass in the presence of the faithful while maintaining all current health precautions set forth by the state and federal government therefore priests may celebrate mass outdoors in open spaces where the faithful remain more than 6 feet apart One practical way of implementing this is by setting up an altar in the parish parking lot. Parishioners should be asked to remain in their cars while leaving one empty parking space between each vehicle. Parishes that lack sufficient parking spaces may celebrate the liturgies in open cemeteries or other available open spaces. Parishioners should maintain at least a six feet separation at all times. Priests may distribute communion. In order to do this in the safest way possible, the following is recommended. It is helpful to use large pieces of hosts, such as large pieces from the 6-inch round hosts for distribution. Priests should wear a face mask, sanitize their hands, and wear gloves to prepare the host for distribution. Large 6-inch hosts or something similar should be broken by the priest into 8 large triangular pieces. These larger pieces will allow parishioners to receive the host on one end while the priest is holding the opposite end. The pre-broken, pre- the pre-broken pieces should be placed in a sanitized ciborium, and covered with some type of saran wrap. Using a needle, a few small holes should be made in the saran wrap prior to the liturgy. During the preparation of the altar, priests should first sanitize their hands, and then place the still-covered ciborium on the altar. Priests should receive from a separate patent. After receiving communion himself, the priest should put on a face mask, then sanitize his hands and proceed to put on gloves. After this, he will distribute communion. The large broken pieces should be distributed with the priest holding one side and the communicant taking hold of the other side. In the event of the priest's glove coming into direct contact with a communicant, the priest should have sanitizing wipes nearby to sanitize his gloves while resuming giving communion. Since the liturgy is being celebrated outdoors, priests may want to keep the saran wrap partially covering the ciborium to ensure the hosts are not taken by the wind. Priests should distribute communion by bringing it to each individual communicant therefore avoiding lines of people. Priests may celebrate Mass in church with less than five people present. When the celebration is concluded, pews, chairs, or other often-contacted services should be sanitized. Priests may and should continue to offer the sacrament of confession while taking all the necessary precautions. Priests may and should continue to offer the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. The faithful are not to be deprived of the sacrament, especially when in danger of death. With these guidelines, I am granting permission for weddings to be celebrated outside on parish property while observing all above stated precautions. Priests may celebrate funerals outdoors in the manner described above. Please encourage those who are older and those more at risk to remain at home during this time. Pastoral visits to these people, while maintaining all safety precautions, is an essential part of our mission. Fathers, with these new directives, we will be present to the faithful while abiding by all safety regulations set forth by the government. May the Lord grant us zeal to serve his people, entrusted to us. May Mary, health of the sick, and the comfort of the afflicted accompany us always. Sincerely in Christ, signed, Most Reverend Peter Baldacchino, Bishop of Las Cruces. I don't know about some of the particulars of his plans there. You know, the use of saran wrap, gloved hands for the distribution of the Eucharist, that kind of thing, or even how licit an outdoor mass really is. That's all way above my pay grade but this is a sign of hope nonetheless. But I want to compare this to another letter, written by a bishop to both his flock and the priests he employs to assist him in his ministry. While Bishop Baldacchino is expressing that he will no longer comply with the notion that the Catholic Church is not an essential service provider, we have a different take entirely coming from Chicago, where Cardinal Supich has some thoughts of a different kind. Cardinal Supich of Chicago has released a frankly amazing letter to the public, and it really says it all. There it is verbatim, so you can see it for yourself. It's kind of breathtakingly amazing in a twisted way. So this is a little dated. It's April 8th of 2020, but it's useful to compare to what the bishop in New Mexico is doing. What the Church Offers by Cardinal Blaise Cupich For generations, the influenza crisis of 1918 was merely an event in our history books, something that happened during a world war, a time when people lived very different lives and modern medicine had not yet been invented this crisis too will be registered in the history books how humbling it is for our technologically advanced well-educated and highly mobile culture to be brought low frozen in place by a primitive life form how disruptive to our illusions of control to see the collective knowledge of humankind fall tragically short what can we as a church offer to those making decisions that affect millions What can we say to each family, each person, about the hard choices and possibly painful experiences facing them? We offer a faith and values-based framework for making the difficult decisions inevitable in a crisis. Firmly grounded in a reverence for all human life, we implore the nation's leaders to act swiftly, without self-interest or self-regard, to equip and safeguard our heroic health care workers. We offer our prayers for those who stand at the bedside of the sick, often imperiling themselves. We offer our compassion and solidarity with those charged with maintaining the peace and keeping the lifelines of food and mail delivery, social services, and other essential community functions open. We offer our support to all those keeping our children and young people focused on their studies under imperfect and stressful conditions. These include parents, grandparents, and guardians pressed into service as teacher's aides and study hall monitors. They are providing a measure of normalcy and teaching life-forming lessons in perseverance. We offer our commitment to fulfill the community outreach missions of our parishes and agencies. As Pope Francis asked, let us make our closeness felt to those who are alone and to those who are most stricken. Numerous workers and volunteers have responded. We will, to the fullest extent possible, continue to feed, clothe, and shelter those in need. And we offer our deepest condolences to those who suffer the loss of loved ones and the added heartbreak of being deprived of healing rituals and the comfort of friends. With our fervent prayers, we commend the dead to the merciful embrace of God, whose love is everlasting. As a church, we are a humble instrument for God's grace, and God's message of hope and love to all people. We may find it difficult to grasp why this crisis should deprive us of the usual means of grace in the public celebration of Mass and the other sacraments. This is especially so in these days of Holy Week and Easter, when we renew our baptism into the death and resurrection of Christ. Yet throughout history, Christians have been deprived of the sacraments by rulers and governments. Countries in Eastern Europe provide a particularly vicious example. This deprivation did not and does not have to mean that faith and devotion cease. It often increased. In our situation today, this deprivation is not imposed. (laughs) We are choosing it out of love of neighbor and because we value solidarity, which is itself an act of worship. And like our forebears, we are not deprived of uniting hearts and minds in prayer. Pope Francis has invited us to join in what he calls the universality of prayer, of compassion and tenderness. The Holy Father's words speak to many well beyond our own Catholic family. Everyone is invited to cultivate hope in their hearts, including those who do not believe. We are all children of God, and he watches over us, says Francis. Even those who have not yet met God, those who do not have the gift of faith, can't find their way through the good things they believe in. They can find strength in their love for their children, their family, their brothers and sisters. Someone might say, I cannot pray because I do not believe. But at the same time, he concludes, we can believe in the love of the people we have around us, and there we can find hope. What this crisis reveals about our society is already coming clear. How it shapes our futures in our hands. We pray that the choices we make today will be remembered as serving the common good and we hope in the end it will yield a clearer vision of what is truly important in all our lives. Please know that all of us who serve the Archdiocese are praying for you, our community and country, and everyone in the human family around the world. We very much need and appreciate your prayers and support. End quote. I honestly did not think it was possible to wrap what are meant to be comforting words up in bureaucratic language of the managerial technocratic class. But there you have it. I also sensed some of the usual universalism that we've come to expect from the men running the church these days. But all of that does serve as a good contrast against which to compare what bishops who really are trying to do the right thing might look like compared to the one of the more notoriously bad bishops in the United States today. But I digress. You heard their words for yourself. Let me know what you think of this in the comments, and if you live in another part of the world where there are bishops who are reopening the public mass against the wishes of the secular rulers, let me know or email me a link to it. If it's in English, I might give it a read as well, depending on the news this week. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.